0: You saw the whiteboard up here and thought, why did I sit in the back? Well, that's on you. Uh, yeah, there's still room up front. That's right. Uh, there are a few things we want to uh, make you aware of. One of those things, again, uh, during communion, there'll be a time if you're wondering, boy, I really, I, I think I would like to be baptized today. You'll see Brian Green and Pastor Sam will be over on the side and would be more than happy to talk that through with you and what that would look like even today. Additionally, there are situations that, as a church family, we want to come together and uh, let you know about and also engage in prayer. Kevin Ray is our facilities director, and his father passed away recently. Uh, Lee Ray, uh, many of you know Lee. Lee and Carolyn have uh, been here at this campus, and have served here in a variety of ways. That memorial service will be this coming Saturday from noon to two. There'll be an opportunity to visit with the family and then at two o'clock is the memorial service and we would invite you to come to that. Additionally, I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Sam to come. Pastor Sam is our senior high pastor and um, again, there are situations that occur that we want to make the church aware of and be in prayer for, and uh, the Howard family has gone through some really difficult things recently, and I've asked Pastor Sam to come and share in terms of uh, prayer requests for us and um, and also what's going on.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, Kenny, for inviting me up. Uh, so, Uh, As you mentioned, the Howard family, Soren Howard is a junior uh, at the Shakopee River here at this campus, and uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Soren wasn't feeling very well, so he went to the hospital and got the news that he has cancer. Uh, And so they were able to get surgery right away, and that went really well. Uh, However, that's just the first step, uh, and now they are looking at six rounds of chemo, Um, over the next uh, few weeks, I guess months. Um, And so we just really wanted to let you all uh, know because we know that you guys are an awesome uh, group of prayer warriors and we wanted you to be uh, just surrounding this family with prayer. Yeah, that's absolutely right. One of the
0: things, if you know Soren, you'll appreciate his attitude. And uh, uh, Soren is one of those guys that uh, can just put a smile on your face just hanging around him. And uh, so we were talking this week and he had mentioned that his grandparents had come up from Texas and that they just, you know, they, they care about him, they love him, and they wanna help him as much as they can. And so as he was walking by, uh, they asked how, he, how they could help him. And I think you have the kind of the punchline to that
1: answer. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he said, you know, ah, uh, there's, there's a few things that would be helpful, but the most helpful would be a gaming PC. That would really <laughs> help me out a lot. I'm pretty sure that was... Uh
0: <laughs> doctor's orders on that so yeah uh, but seriously we we do want to take some time uh, some things that you may want to know just about that those rounds there are six rounds I believe uh, he'll be five days in the hospital and then two weeks at home five days in the hospital in two weeks so uh, oh they need some strength and so I've asked Pastor Sam if he'd pray for Soren and then I'll pray for the Howard family and uh, would you join us?
1: Lord Jesus, uh, first, I just want to thank you for Soren. Uh, I thank you for uh, the man he is, uh, to our youth group, uh, to me, Lord. Uh, he's just does so much, uh, as Kenny was even mentioning, just the joy he brings when he walks into the room. And so, Lord, I just I thank you for him and for who he is in this community. And, Lord, we just want to lift him up to you right now. We just ask that you would be with him and that in this season, Father, that he would know your presence in a real tangible way, that you would be near to him. Uh, God, in a season that uh, we know uh, with hospitals right now, uh, there's a lot of rules and regulations and things, so it it could be, what could be a very um, lonely season, God, uh, we pray would be the opposite, that he would have just an outpouring of love and encouragement from the people in this room um, and many others that your church would be your hands and feet to him and that he would know uh, that love from you from us uh, and in every way that uh, that he can lord that you would just uh, comfort him give him a peace that surpasses understanding Mm -hmm. i pray that you would give him uh, just the ability to see your faithful hands at work in this in this whole process and god i pray that you'd be with his faith I pray that he would be rooted in you in such mm-hmm. a way that he would just, uh, yeah, have that peace. And Lord, mm-hmm. as he has conversations with doctors, nurses, or, or whoever else, Lord, maybe it's family, friends, Lord, that uh, he would even be an encouragement to others uh, and, uh, through this season. Ultimately, Lord, I pray for healing. Yes, Jesus. God, we just lift up his body to you, and we pray that you would just eliminate <clears throat> every cell of cancer, that it has no place in his body. Mm -hmm. that you would show yourself as who you are, good and strong, powerful, and a healer, God, and that you would do that. Uh, Lord, ultimately pray that your will would be done and that Mm -hmm. you would get the glory. Um, And we want to thank you in advance for how you are going to work within this situation, Father. Lord, we also lift up the Howard family.
0: I want to pray specifically for Kelly and Mike and ask that you would strengthen and encourage them as they're uh, they have also had a lot thrown at them in these days, and uh, Lord, just I, I appreciate the the grace uh, that Kelly has been managing that with, and uh, the the strength that you've given Mike and all of these, uh, in all of these days. And I, I pray for a special dose of courage as they also uh, minister to and love on their kiddos who have their own things going on throughout the week and. Um, uh, driving to these events and taxiing to those events. Lord, I know that, that this is difficult. And so I pray for wisdom. I pray for direction and strength and courage for them in these days. Lord, we love you and we love the Howard family and ask that you would bless and strengthen them extra special even today. And it's in Jesus Christ precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sam. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Amen. Well, I want want to encourage you to imagine something. I want you to imagine you're on a plane, not an airplane, but a field. And in this field, you're standing there, on the one side is the Lord. And the Lord is reaching out to you and calling him to him, calling you to himself by his goodness and his grace with his gifts. On the other side, is the devil. And on this side, Satan, with all of his temptations, is also demanding you to join him. And you're stuck in the middle. Which side? On the one hand, it seems very obvious. On the other hand, the temptations that are being offered, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those default sins, if we could call them that, are very, very alluring on this side what will it be? How will we align? How? Which alliance will we make? Will we choose the Lord and the offering that he gives us, or will we choose the devil and the temptation that seems to pull us? The reality is we have to make these decisions multiple times every day. But how do we decide? And how do we walk in a way that honors God? We're going to be in Genesis chapter 14 and As you turn to Genesis chapter 14, I want to remind you where we're at when God says jump. It's a step of faith. It's a leap of faith. And we see that in the life of Abram. Before he was Abraham, he was Abram. And before he was the father of the faithful, he was this man in Ur. And while he was in Ur, he was an idolater just like everyone else in Ur. And God with a mighty hand called him out to follow him. And on this way that Abram began to walk, there were some temptations and some challenges. And in in an allegorical way, we see that Abram is exactly where we just mentioned we are. Will we follow the Lord or will we give in to the devil? But in a very specific way, we see that played out today in Genesis chapter 14. As you're turning there, I want to remind you where we've been. We talked about experiencing God specifically because experiencing God talks about seven uh, seven principles that seem to be woven throughout the scriptures. These principles that are woven throughout the scriptures play a part in nearly every Bible account. When we see kind of like Uh, waves washing up on a shore, that sometimes these waves come individually. These principles wash up on shore. And other times, all seven just kind of pound the, uh, the shoreline. And we see that lived out in the life of Abram. But I would suggest that we also see that lived out in our lives as well. That these principles that we'll be reminded of in just a moment also happen in our own lives. Let's take a look at those. And highlight them quickly. We've had these as slides earlier and they were, you know, these big long run-on sentences, and so we just broke them down with a few words to kind of help us to embrace them a little easier. The first one, God works. God works around us. God is at work around us, we're reminded. And we see that truth laid out throughout the scriptures, that God isn't on vacation. He's not taking a break. He's not in the restroom. God is present. He's not just taking time off just because he's tired. He's tuckered out. No, God is at work and he's at work around us. In many ways, he uses his people for that work. In other ways, he's working without his people, organizing, orchestrating, and showing up in some very amazing ways. The second principle, God pursues. God pursues. He pursues us with a loving relationship. That everything that happens is for the glory of God. And we remember this in Romans, that all things work together together. Uh, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that God is using those situations in our life to let us know that he loves us. And so you may be in a situation even today where uh, mm, there's conflict in your life, or maybe there's a situation at work or in your home. God is purposefully using that for his glory to pursue you, to to let you know somehow that he loves you. And wants to engage in this relationship. We see that God invites. God invites us to work with him. That God is this God who, in the midst of the things that he does, he invites his people to join him in his work. That in many ways, on earth, as it is in heaven, we get these these moments of uh, the the glimpse of heaven because of the work of God's people and specifically God's work through his people. But he invites us. And we see this certainly played out with uh, Andrew and with Peter when Jesus sees them working and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The challenge to follow him, first of all, and I will make you is God's work in their life, and then to join him on mission. God still does that with his people, that we would join him on mission together. And again, we'll see that played out in the life of Abram. God speaks. He speaks through situations, scenarios. He speaks primarily by way of the Holy Spirit through his word. That's the primary way that we hear the Lord. But also we recognize him in situations and circumstances that play out in everyday life. God speaks to us. Additionally, God leads. And specifically, he leads us to crossroads in our life. These crossroads are a crisis of faith a place where we have to make some hard decisions. Will I choose faith and obedience to the Lord, or will I choose fear and walk in rebellion? We see this played out throughout the life of Abram, and if we're being honest, we would see that played out in our own lives as well. So this is the work of God that's identified and experiencing God, but then there's also a piece for us. And again, as we look at the whole of Scriptures, we identify that uh, there are certain principles that are true across the board, and because they're true in the scriptures, we can also embrace them in our own lives. So here's the next one: we adjust, we adjust, and sometimes that uh, that's a big adjustment. Think about Abram living with his family in Ur has to make a decision to follow God and leave his family. To leave the idolatry that he had been a part of, the only gods that he was aware of, to find and follow this new God, this is a big adjustment. And the truth is, we also have to make those type of adjustments in our own lives as we follow the Lord. Decisions that we have to make. Am I going to uh, be honest and honor God in this place, or am I going to look the other way? Will I tell half-truths and deceive, or will I be honest and share everything? These are decisions that we have to make, and those are adjustments, and they're big adjustments. And finally, we experience God. We experience God through through being obedient to his word, so that our walk with God is not just a cognitive uh, reality, but it's an experiential reality. We experience God through everyday life by joining him and being obedient to him and his word. And so we see that in the life of Abram, and you're going to see that in just a moment. If you're not there, we're in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. As you're turning there, uh, I'll I'll share a little bit about the situation. There is a rebellion. The rebellion is with five kings, rather, five kingdoms. And these five kingdoms are rebelling against the the overlord, (laughs) if we can call him that, the, uh, the king whose reign is over these kingdoms. And their rebellion is such that they go to war. And the overlord, the king that is over all of these kingdoms, conquers them. Two of those kingdoms you'll be familiar with is Sodom and Gomorrah. The kings of Sodom and Gomorrah hide in a pit. Uh, That comes out more in the Hebrew than the English, but that's what happens. They hide in a pit. As they're hiding, the overlord, the king of these kingdoms, he comes in and just ransacks these kingdoms. Sodom in particular, he goes in and he takes uh, things and stuff. He takes the riches, but he also takes people. One of those people is a man named Lot. Lot is related to Abram. Abram, uh, Abram was uh, really a surrogate father in many ways to Lot. Lot is a nephew, and uh, they come to this place of uh, intensity of conflict. And in this place of conflict, they part ways, and Lot goes to Sodom. And while he's in Sodom, while he's at Sodom. Uh, the king comes and pulls him away. When Abram finds out about this, he, uh, he, he gets his men together, uh, 318 warriors that are in his house along with the alliances of other kingdoms that he had made, and they go in and they get Lot. Not just that, but they also get some of the things and stuff that have been ransacked by this king. At the end of this time, Lot, or I'm sorry, Abram shows up at Shiva. It's a valley, the Valley of Kings. And while he's there, he's met by two kings, Melchizedek and Bera. And we're going to see this unfold in front of us. I want to read it just, just as it's written. I don't want to uh, speak any commentary into it initially. Uh, then we're going to go back and look at some key points and reread it. And I, I think you'll appreciate where we're going. Here we go. This is Genesis chapter 14, starting in verse 17. says this. After his return from the defeat of Hedor Laomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him at the valley of Shavah, uh, That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by, most high, uh, by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I, I've lifted my hand to the Lord, God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten, and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Ashkel, and Memra take their share. Uh, those are the uh, tribes that w- went with him to uh, get Lot and uh, some of the possessions. So, with that in mind, let's back up and let's talk about a few things. One of the things that we identified in ancient Semitic texts is that they think dynamically different than we do in the West today. And that the story that is being shared is a story that as we lean into the proper names that are given and start to understand what they mean, they, they, um, they give us context and direction of the fuller sense of the passage. What we're also going to see is that the Old Testament constantly points us to Christ. We're going to see Jesus show up in a variety of ways through this passage, if we would have eyes to see it. So let's take a look at a couple of things. The word Sheva, uh, this is a valley uh, just outside of Jerusalem, and this valley in particular is unique. In fact, some translators have kind of wrestled with it. Maybe it it leans into the understanding of rulers and that maybe makes sense with Melchizedek being there and the king of Sodom being there. Maybe maybe that's it. It also means level plane. It's a level plane. What might the what might the author be trying to tell us? We're in a we're a place where things are even. We can make a decision. Which kingdom are we going to follow? Which king will we lean into? Uh, what will happen? And so, Shiva is this level plane. Again, as we began our time together, I said, this is the plane that we're at. Uh, we have decisions to make as well. We'll lean into that in a moment. Let's look at Melchizedek. So, uh, uh, Melchizedek is my king, Zedek. So, what is Zedek? Uh, righteousness. Melchizedek's name points us to somebody different. <laughs> His name points us to my king, righteousness. He's the king of Salem. Uh, this is the first time that this is used in the scripture in Genesis chapter 14. And Salem is the same city as Jerusalem, later identified. Salem means peace. So what do we have? We have a king who says, my king is righteousness. Righteousness. And my kingdom is peace. Does that remind you of anybody? He's also a a prof, or I'm sorry, a priest and a king, which in ancient Israel that was not allowed. But this is an ancient Israel, this is pre-Israel. And this king is also a priest. And Jesus takes the office of prophet, priest, and king, as we'll talk about a little bit later, but you watch Melchizedek because he's going to point us to Jesus in just a little bit. So then we have this other king of Sodom. Uh, We find out in verse 2 that his name is Bera. Guess what that means? Son of evil. You must really not like your kid to name him that. Or you must really think poorly of yourself. I don't know. Like... Uh, what do we name him? Uh, let's name him after ourselves. Well, what would be something that would, we would name? Uh, wait, well, you're pretty evil. <laughs> yeah, let's name him son of evil. That's great. Uh, Bera is the son of evil. Sodom it means burning. So what do we have? Uh, we have this king who is the son of evil whose kingdom is burning. On the other hand, we have Melchizedek who points us to the king of righteousness whose kingdom is peace. And we have Abram in the middle. Well, what will he do? Well, let's look. Let's look with new eyes at this passage. Starting in verse 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Hey, you know anybody else who's offered bread and wine to people? Maybe the Lord Jesus? Absolutely. In many ways, we see Jesus doing that right at the, uh, at the Last Supper. Uh, Offering this bread and wine who we know, informed by the New Testament, we know that is his body and his blood. A type in the Old Testament with Melchizedek, we're reminded of something that Jesus does in the New Testament. Being more informed, we see what is going on here. That what Melchizedek is offering is a relationship. In a general sense, that was true in Melchizedek's day. Uh, sharing a meal was a sign of friendship. But in Jesus' day, and as we look back, we see that it's more. An invitation into a relationship. And for us, on this side of eternity, we look back and see this work of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the King of Righteousness, whose kingdom is peace. And then uh, we keep looking. What happens here? Uh, It's identified not only is he a king, he's also a priest talk more about that in a moment. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor, that word possessor also means creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. This priest king blesses Abram. He also blesses the most high God. Uh, We're going to find out in just a little bit that that actually is Yahweh. That's who he's referring to, just uh, to confirm things. But consider what is happening here. After this war, after this battle, Abram comes to this place. The king whose kingdom is peace is offering something. Like I said, he's offering himself. He's offering a relationship. But we're going to see something just a little bit different from the king of Sodom. Abram has a response to Melchizedek, and he gave him a tenth of everything. It's where we understand tithes, that's where this comes from. This message is not a message of tithes, just identifying a point in the passage uh, that this is where it comes from. From the overflow of of a kingdom of peace, from a, a king who blesses him, he gives. Continuing on in verse 21, and the king of Sodom, the kingdom that's burning, said to Abram, give me the persons. But take the goods for yourself. Consider that. The son of evil wants people. He's not as interested in the possessions, although we're going to find out that maybe there's even a, uh, some, some diabolical intention with that. But he wants people, he wants people for his kingdom. Contextually, maybe it's because this other king took people from his kingdom. But more specifically in this plane, uh, he wants people for his kingdom. Because everybody stands in this place and has to make some decisions. Which kingdom will I stand in? Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord. He's made a pledge. The Lord God Most High possessor of heaven and earth. By the way, the word Lord's proper name for God, so we know that just in case you were wondering, El Yon is the, the phrase that's used in this passage. And in case you're wondering, is that just any God? No, that is specifically the God of Israel, Yahweh. That I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Perhaps we would see that and go, well, it sounds like maybe Abram is being proud. No, that's not what Abram is doing. Abram is being as innocent as a dove and shrewd as a snake. And what we mean by that is he is not making an alliance with the king of Sodom. If he does that, if he accepts those uh, that offer, (laughs) that request, the demand from the king, then he's bound to the king. There is a new alliance. You got your stuff from me, Abram. And by the way, I need you to go to war for me, Abram. Your stuff is my stuff, Abram. That's the intention here. Abram sees through it and isn't tricked by it. He makes an offering uh, to Melchizedek to the Lord. On the other side, he does not make an offering. You can have all of the stuff that is yours. But I'm not, I'm not taking anything from you where there is no uh, alliance between us. And so, as I said earlier, we see Jesus at work in this place. Melchizedek representing the priest king. Jesus representing the prophet priest and king. What's the difference? Well, for the prophet, the prophet is the one uh, who speaks the words of God. It looks a couple of different ways. On the one hand, a prophet is a foreteller. So they could tell uh, things that will happen. But they're also a fourth teller. They can proclaim, they can bring forth the things that God states. So Jesus, uh, as a prophet, he states some things. One, anybody who receives me receives eternal life. Mine is the kingdom of peace. He's a priest. What did the priests do? The priests made offering to God. Now, uniquely, Jesus does something that is different than other priests. His offering is himself. He is the sacrifice. So, this bread and wine that Melchizedek offers, Jesus does the same. But he offers his body that's broken for us and he offers his blood that is the new covenant that doesn't just cover sin, but take sin away. And he offers that to anybody who would receive him would enter into the kingdom of peace. That's what Jesus does in the office of priest. But he's also a king. And a king is important because a king with him has a kingdom. And within the kingdom, there are rules and laws that are governed that allow people to live. And if you're going to live in peace, then you have to live in the kingdom of peace. Because this kingdom that burns doesn't offer that. It can't offer that. It doesn't work that way. And the son of evil will never give it to you. So, Abram was on this plane, this level plane. And he had to make a decision. And on that day, when he leapt out in faith, as he as he saw God at work, as he saw God pursue him, as he entered into the invitation of God. Not just that, as God spoke to him, as God led him, he adjusted his life and he experienced God in a very real way. And today we're at a crossroads where we have to make the same decision. So for some of you today, you may be in a place of, you know what, I, I have been going to a kingdom that burns up. I've been going to the kingdom where I am tempted and I fall, and I need to repent of that, and I need to receive the body and blood, this bread and this wine of Christ in a very real way. Today is my day where I enter into the kingdom of peace, and if that's you today, praise the Lord. Today's the day, and if this is the first time, it may just be as simple as submitting to the Lord and saying, Lord, forgive me, I have dwelt in this kingdom too long, and I am choosing you today. I can't rescue myself. I can't save myself. I need you. Jesus, save me. That may be your heart's cry. That might be your prayer. And if it is, praise the Lord, because you're entering into a kingdom of peace. For others of you, you may be in a place of saying, Hey, I want to take this next step of faith. For you, that next step of faith may be baptism. And you may be feeling it even in your heart. Oh, maybe I should do it. Maybe I should do it. Well, do it. Uh, there's water in the tank today. Let's, let's do it. Let's make that happen. Uh, we'll give you an opportunity to talk to Brian and Pastor Sam. Uh, they'll walk through some things. They want to hear your testimony. They want to confirm that, that um, uh, you understand what baptism is. And then there'll be an opportunity. For others, it may just be a reaffirmation of, I'm following Jesus, I'm receiving the bread and wine, and your next step of faith is engaging in communion. And communion here is maybe a little bit different than what you've experienced in the past. We have four stations, and we encourage people at the appropriate time to go to the station that's closest to them and get both the elements. But to do that, we lean into the Scriptures. That first of all, we're followers of Christ. Communion is for the believer, the the one, the disciple who's chosen to follow Jesus. And we take both the elements, reminding us of the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. Today, uh, a little bit different, uh, we'll ask you to return to your seats and you're free to participate without being led from up front. Prior to going to communion, we do ask you to do this ask the Spirit of God to examine our hearts. Lord, is there any unconfessed sin? Have I been dwelling in this kingdom that's burning up? And if so, then we repent of those sins. Father, forgive me. And we know that as we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So in just a few moments as the worship team comes, we'll give you that opportunity to take a step of faith. That may be a prayer, just right where you are, a surrender to the Lord, it may be uh, a step for baptism. You say, ah, I didn't sign up. I'm going to talk to Sam or I'm going to talk to Brian over here. They're available. They'll, they'll be here throughout the communion time and would love to, I don't know, who would have their phone on? <laughs> Somebody got me. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then the other step would be communion. And you're free to participate in communion as we go. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you, O Lord. We ask that you would be exalted and lifted up. We ask, Almighty God, that in a very real way, we would have the opportunity to take a step of faith. That, Lord, as we take these steps of faith today, that you would be glorified. That we would choose to be in the kingdom of peace that only comes through Jesus the Christ the King of Righteousness. Lord, we ask that uh, you would forgive us for the time that we've logged in the burning kingdom with the son of evil. Forgive us, Lord. As we take these steps of faith today, be glorified and be honored. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.